2: And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Today we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about leadership and faith in our community. And suicide prevention. And so what an extraordinary opportunity is for me to introduce Rabbi Samuel Spector. Thank you so much from the Congregation Kol Ami. Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Right, And it's wonderful to join hands with other faith leaders and to see that this initiative has been moving on for another year. And so also joining us in studio is Pamela Atkinson, advocate for the homeless, the refugees, low-income families of Utah. Let's just say advocate for anyone in need. Pamela, thank you for being here.
3: Thank you, Rebecca.
2: And also joining us in studio from Intermountain Healthcare's community health program director, Marissa Henn. Marissa, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. No, I understand that just recently there was a faith leaders summit in the community. Let's let's talk a bit about that because to me, any time a community can network together to say we are all in Together, combined, trying to do good to help take a pro- up um, address a problem in a loving way. It's just beautiful. So, the Faith Leader Summit. Uh, how long ago was that, now, Rabbi? That
1: mm-hmm. was. Um, let me see. It was on August twenty second. Uh, so, a couple weeks ago, right? And
2: and, and the goal of the summit.
1: I think the goal of the summit was for us to be able to talk as faith leaders about what we can do to actually prevent suicides in our communities. In, in my tradition, we learned that to save a single life is as if we've saved all of humanity. And uh, this is a problem that is plaguing every community. It does not discriminate on, on the basis of religion. I actually had to leave the summit early because I had um, a fourth congregant of mine in uh in uh 2 months um that he was um making a suicide attempt that day mm-hmm. and so uh, as I was rocked that was at a suicide prevention summit and then had to leave because it's that relevant um and that present in my community and in all of our communities here in Utah and so I'm um, gaining the tools uh, uh for us as faith leaders to know what to do, um, to have appropriate conversations that could actually save lives. And I think that's why we were all there.
2: Marissa, I know that the goal of Intermountain Healthcare has been to help us have this conversation as a community, open up the lines, put some of the uh, myths behind, make it something that we're much more comfortable addressing, and also trying to get the resources of the community together. Can you talk about the role of the summit and why it was so crucial in the goals of Intermountain Healthcare?
0: For sure. So Intermountain Healthcare and Select Health, we have been thinking about suicide for a long time because we've had so many patients and members affected by this issue. But the truth is that it's the community that has provided um, crucial inspiration, support, and partnership to really get the work done. Um, So much of suicide prevention – falls outside clinic walls. And so while there's a key responsibility that we have as a health system to ensure that we are providing the best quality care to reduce suffering and save lives, when it comes to really moving the dial on suicide here in Utah, it requires an all-hands-on-deck approach. And bringing various stakeholders, including those who maybe haven't been brought to the table as readily in the past, um, together is key. And for, for in my opinion, Faith leaders are among the most important messengers uh, when it comes to suicide prevention, as well as helping, as Rabbi Spector mentioned, helping their communities cope with the devastating aftermath of these events Mm -hmm. and engage in a kind of conversation and intervention that can in the aftermath that can actually be preventive we often say that postvention is the first form of prevention and so we had a lot of focus at the at the at the summit on that topic as well about the midst and aftermath of these events to ensure that we are helping do everything we can to prevent these events from happening again mm,
2: and you've just said so many powerful things both of you and and of course we all have experiences i'm thinking of rabbi you're saying that was the fourth call that you'd had from your congregation. Just about this summer. summer. Just this summer. So mm-hmm. it's extraordinary. My own neighbor took her life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and our faith community it required us coming together, bringing a therapist and holding a special, um, evening event and talking about the repercussions, the trauma, the, the sorrow, the grief, the guilt, all of us and the misunderstanding that, that can occur w- with suicide. And, and, and that was so key for us to do in the steps of preventing more and, and in the beginning of our healing and then i think of pamela of course i introduced you as an advocate for those in need but you've been a leader with the it's the first presbyterian church
3: yes i am in there was the first presbyterian church and,
2: and so as marissa and our mm. rabbi specter talks about the specific impact of faith can have a faith leader can have mm. um, talk to me a bit about that because i think of messages of everybody matters every soul is one of value
3: and talk to when me about that. I was uh, first uh, approached in 2017 about getting faith leaders together and working with NAMI, the National Alliance for, Men- for the Mentally Ill, and talked to some faith leaders and said, "Do you have any interest?" And they certainly did. I think Rebecca, we take it for granted that faith leaders know everything that they can respond to any issue that that arises. And the faith leaders that came to our first conference last year just said how helpful it was that they hadn't talked about it in church because they did not know what to say. And the ones who came this year um, said they learned even more from our wonderful speakers And so they went away not only with the words of the speakers but also uh, a wonderful resource book that they were able to share the printed word uh, with their congregation. So they felt much more comfortable, number one, bringing bringing it up, the issue of suicide, um, talking about preventing it occurring in the first place. But then they began to feel more comfortable learning how to respond when death by suicide did occur in their congregation. Mm, It's so heavy, isn't it? It, It's very heavy. And they were able to share it with the various different interfaith groups that we have in our communities and encourage people to uh, come to the training sessions that Naomi and others offer. So I think the word has been spread much more in the last two years than ever before.
2: This was, as you mentioned, the second annual uh, Suicide Prevention Summit for, with faith leaders. Yes. And you mentioned um, the the important, important leadership of NAMI and the important role of the Utah Suicide Prevention Coalition, which was established just a few years ago to say – I, and, and I shouldn't have used that lightness in my voice, but to say, we are in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Utah, the country's in a crisis. Utah is a part of that crisis. Right. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I also really valued about
0: this convening was that while it's a very heavy topic, there's a tremendous amount of reason and opportunity for hope. Um, we actually... Titled our second annual event "United in Hope," um, and that was our hashtag. And we came up with a with a, a I think a very inspiring consensus statement, which we can talk about. Um, but one of the things we often realize is that this can be a topic that, on top of all the other stigmas, if it's too doom and gloom, if we're only mm-hmm. focusing on death and dying and suffering. It's hard for people to know what to do about that. It's sort of a topic that can be um, more readily avoided. And so what we like to focus on also is the stories that are the norm, which are stories of survival and stories of recovery. And so the event featured two extraordinary um, survivors who talked about the. In fact arguably even more survivors than we knew. Some other speakers even acknowledged some of their struggles um, in in different opportunities throughout the day. And so I think that was part of the um, intention. And I, I think we have achieved that quite readily to say we're here because there is so much each of us can do. And while this is an intense topic, let's see how we can come together and each in our respective roles better understand the facts, better understand our roles and really look to begin a conversation, as, as Pamela and Rabbi Spector have said, that can save lives. So I think the level of hope and um, inspiration that was sort of palpable during the event was, was a real sign of success. Well, and I appreciate
2: that. And, and I use the term heavy because for generations, it was not to be talked about. Mm -hmm. And so this is we've learned and, and I'm grateful because of the outreach that has gone on for the last two years in particular to say we were at crisis. We need to talk about this. We need to understand it. Parents, we don't know what to do if we think our child, we don't know how to recognize if our child, if our loved one, if our spouse, if ourselves are in need. We need to learn those things. But one of the things I learned is that talking about it lifts the power yeah. of that, of the fear of suicide, of hurting ourselves. And and that was so counter to what for generations had been taught to me Mm -hmm. so in other words to have an open conversation with someone in your uh, pastoral responsibilities to say are you feeling this way are these thoughts here for us to have that conversation with our family members to lift that lid Mm -hmm. to be able to open that conversation that was so crucial to me to say let's talk about how we're really feeling when it comes to suicide prevention
1: absolutely a something that stuck with me um, my family comes from a, a small town originally in, on the Illinois-Iowa border called Rock Island, and half the Jewish cemetery there is my family. And when you walk into it, you see that there are all the tombstones, but then there's a separate section of unnamed tombstones, and I I found out that that was for people who had committed suicide. And uh, in many of our faiths, that's how we had treated people who had committed suicide. Was we cast them out, and we didn't put their names on um, on stones, and, and kind of shamed them. And I think that today we have a recognition that we wouldn't shame somebody who succumbed to cancer uh, or heart disease, and likewise, uh, we shouldn't be shaming people as well who have suicidal ideations or who eventually succumb to uh, mental illness and and their struggles, and certainly not put their families uh, through shame in, in that. And so exactly like you're saying, I think that the summit gave us the opportunity to learn how to have, um, conversations before. And unfortunately in the aftermath of a suicide, um, so that we can break down that stigma so that as faith leaders, we can be present for our communities and, um, and also gave us tools for next steps, um, When I visited that gentleman in the hospital that day, he said, I bet I'm the only one who's like this. And when I told him, you're actually the fourth person this summer in our community I've talked to, you saw a sense of relief, like, oh, wait, maybe it's not just me. And that was that was huge for him. Um, And one of the things that we're all doing this weekend is the governor declared this weekend to be a, a weekend of prayer for uh, faith communities um, on suicide prevention. And so just as faith leaders being able to stand up during our prayers and talk about this issue and say a prayer on this issue, I think opens up the doors and makes people know that their faith leaders are safe people that they can talk to.
2: What a powerful statement that our faith leaders are safe people, mm-hmm. right? That will help us have that conversation and bring us to that place of hope. And, and I love Marissa that you said it takes us all. And so as you, you've shared some of these memorable moments from the summit and, and, and I know our audience are thinking, I'd love to learn what they learned. <laughs> I'd like to know because we care about our neighbors. We care about our family, we care about our coworkers. We know this is something that it takes us I'll use the phrase "a village to help us um, push through this. What are some of the goals of the summit moving forward? Um, well, there are many.
0: One is that there was a wonderful advisory committee committee um, who included Rabbi Spector and Pamela and myself, but also lots of other representatives. One thing we were excited about this year was the level of diversity of that group—not um, just having uh, members whom we whom we cherish from the dominant faith group in Utah, but also from many other groups: uh, the Jewish community, Muslim, um, Hindu communities, et cetera. So, so that advisory group will continue. They'll continue planning for this and and holding these weekend this weekend of prayer. Um, there will be lots of additional announcements and opportunities to come around gatekeeper trainings. One. One thing that was unique about this summit is that at the end of the day, we offered the Question, Persuade, Refer training, QPR, which is um, a fantastic training, which in an hour, someone can learn how to have this difficult conversation and then connect someone in need to treatment. Question? Question, Persuade, Refer. And if you look, if you Google the Utah Suicide Prevention Coalition, I don't know the URL off the top of my head, but there's uh, a link there where you can find out about lots of other QPR trainings that are available for free in your community. And Intermountain Healthcare will actually be offering QPR trainings at every one of our hospitals during the month of September. So you can also Google IntermountainHealthcare.org and search for the
2: trainings there. I appreciate that because that's 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 knowledge that we can also – all of us Mm -hmm. can take
3: in hand. Uh, Pamela, go ahead. One one of the speakers, um, she's from the Zion's Evangelical Lutheran Church, and she had a wonderful way of presenting and engaged the audience – and she was sharing with with us all what to say, what not to say, um, in terms of prevention, but also in terms of response. She, you, you mentioned that this is a heavy, serious uh, issue, but she used humour in a very appropriate way. And you know, I'm like everybody else. If there's humour, I I learn a much faster rate and retain it. But she made people feel comfortable saying. Things like this is what you should not say, but this is mm-hmm. what you should say, and this is what you should do, and this is what you should not do and We were just amazed and talking about some of the errors we've we 've all made but will not make in the future. The other memorable moment was talking with one of the imams there from the Muslim faith, and he was saying... You need to have um, a breakout session where the different religions and different cultures are talking about their traditions because some of what was being said applied to the Christian tradition would not apply to the Jewish faith or to the Muslim faith. And I thought that was a great observation. So we received some very critical feedback that will enhance our next uh, conference planning. Mm-hmm. And that's very powerful. Rabbi.
1: Um, yeah, I mean and it was – I think that as faith leaders and just all caring people, not even faith leaders, we want to say words that are comforting. And so one of those examples that Pamela is um, referring to is uh, when, when somebody does die from a suicide, I've heard people before say, well, he's in a better place now. He is no longer suffering and, um, and they're trying to be helpful. But one, the family is saying, well, I don't want him to be in that better place. I want him to be here with me. And that's not my
2: truth. Right. And
1: also, though, that those words can actually be extremely dangerous because if there's somebody else at the funeral who is having suicidal ideations and they hear me as their faith leader say, well, now this person's in a much better place and they go, oh. Well, maybe I want to be in that better place, too. And that's not what we're supposed to say. And it's not helpful even if people are trying to be helpful. And um, and also it was really great because this summit gave uh, me ideas for action steps to take, uh, how to have a conversation with somebody, the QPR training. Like, are you thinking of hurting yourself? And even though that's a very personal question, people appreciate when you ask that. They feel seen. They feel heard. And I'm planning currently with my teens a weekend now weekend retreat now on Judaism and mental health, and um, uh, I want to use Marissa at some point because she did this great breakout session on um, on how gun owners, which we have many in our community, many throughout Utah, can keep their guns safe. Um, when there's somebody who might be uh, a suicide risk in their home, they can still have their guns, but keep them safe to eliminate um, the the potential of their loved one um, uh, hurting themselves through a firearm. And so I want to bring... Somebody from Intermountain Healthcare and a gun advocate and to do a training with my community on that on that issue.
2: Recognize that the Western culture, right, has its own increased risk by having guns available. Right. And I
0: think what's interesting to me, I mean, the work we've done on lethal means reduction on focusing on firearms has been by bringing stakeholders to the table who haven't necessarily been invited, who are the best messengers. So gun owners are the best messengers for other gun owners. Faith leaders are the best messengers for members of their faith group. So there's actually kind of a another microcosm there of this larger idea of coming together um, I would just mention our, our keynote, um, Colonel Glenn Bloomstrom, who's a who's a military leader and a member of clergy as well. One of the things he sketched out for us uh, to, to Pamela's point about and, and Rabbi Spector's about sort of saying the the right thing was the way in which faith leaders are the ideal, People to intervene because they are accessible. They're confidential. They're free. As as Rabbi Spector or Pamela may have said, they they really know what's going on, the pulse of their community. And also,
1: we're part of people's families. We're we're the ones who bury their parents, who marry the, them to their spouse, who name their children. Right. That's your right. cradle of cradle story. to
0: grave um, counsel and comfort. That said. The way that Colonel Bloomstrom put it is, there can be missed opportunities, mm-hmm. and some of those missed opportunities we've mentioned. One is the false belief that bringing up suicide could inspire someone to take their life, which is which is totally untrue. Not just for faith leaders, but for any of us. Um, and the second is to not. To not encourage help seeking, and I think that's what we're saying is not not that Rabbi Spector himself needs to be delivering psychotherapy. That's not it at all. But could we, as Intermountain, help partner to identify clinicians who could be a resource to him when he needs it, and better assess that and, and establish it in advance? Absolutely. And so that's the kind of work in which we need um, we need these faith leaders who have such access and such respect and trust. But as health professionals, we also need to provide that clinical expertise when it's warranted. So I, I think that's yeah. really
2: powerful because, mm-hmm. Pamela, and as, as you've worked hand in hand, and, and Rabbi and also you, Marissa, with mm-hmm. those who are in crisis and in need, there's nothing – I mean, they're isolation. They feel a- absolutely isolated and alone. And so if there is a gatekeeper and they have that opportunity yes. to have right. that one conversation and that person takes them by the hand, and then can hand them mm-hmm. to someone who can address those needs. That just seems so extraordinarily powerful and in need.
3: Well, one of the groups that had increased in attendance and participating this year were youth leaders from different places of worship. I met some wonderful youth leaders from from around the state, and they're the ones who can um, talk with the college-age and high school kids. But it goes one step further because once they've had several discussions in their own places of worship, then these young people at their schools are able to share with friends who are who, who don't go to a, a church of any kind and they're spreading the word that way in terms of getting their friends outside of the church to actually talk about it and discuss their feelings and i know we have these ambassadors you know yes, it, throughout mm-hmm. our school system but there's much more to be done with these young people and uh, the peer to peer relationship it is dynamite and if it's followed up from from our conference and gets out much more to the community then we are going to save even even more lives people are thirsty for knowledge but they're afraid to bring up the issue as marissa said and when we introduce the issue into casual conversation you can see the eyes being averted and people look uncomfortable but if you persist at the end of maybe a 30 minutes you have people who are really involved and asking more questions. And you know it's then going to go beyond that group too. Mm. And we should not be ashamed or embarrassed to talk about it. It's a matter of life and death. Mm -hmm. And it's just vital that people feel, I can ask the question. Um, Yes, this conference was safe. But they need to be asking the questions where people feel unsafe. Mm, I appreciate that. In, in my own personal experience,
2: my family member who dealt with his very issues said, I felt like damaged goods. And I would say to him, you're not, you're human. To feel these intense emotions, the mental health challenges we might have is to be human. And we reach out and we do our best to help each other get healed and move through that. The shame needs to be lifted. And I appreciate the time that each of you have spent with me today and our listeners Absolutely. today. It's been beautiful. And I want to take away with what you've expressed is that there are information for our listeners to go find, to read it, to share it with their teenagers, to empower the people in their life uh, to have this critical information. And so you said, Marissa, uh, pardon me, that uh, if they Google Utah Suicide Prevention Coalition, mm-hmm. there'll be resources there? That's right. And you
0: can sign up for courses, um, no matter what your background is, uh, to to help with this type of opportunity to identify people at risk and to to help connect them with care. Um, We also like to mention that if you're concerned at all about yourself or someone else who may be struggling with an issue if you're concerned about suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline um, which is 1-800-273-TALK um, If you want some counsel, if you want some advice as a caregiver great resource is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Thank you again, that's 1-800-273-8255 8255
2: there's also the Safe Utah app for adolescents look for that. I hate to have to wrap this up because it's such a an important topic but Pamela Atkinson um, Rabbi Samuel Spector and Marissa Han from Intermountain Healthcare. Thank you so much for what you thank continue you. to do and impact our community. And thank you for joining us on this week's thank edition. You. Thank you so Thanks much. so much. The Utah Weekly Forum.